Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley. Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Glad you can join us. The most important auto show in the U.S. is the North American International Auto Show in Detroit in January. And the biggest news at this year's show was the introduction of the 2015 Ford F-150 pickup truck. The F-Series pickup has been the best-selling vehicle in the U.S. for 32 straight years, so a new design is always big news. It was even bigger news this year because it has a body made out of aluminum alloy instead of steel, a first for a pickup truck. That will help shave 550 to 700 pounds off the weight of the F-150, making it one of the biggest losers in automotive history. And I mean that in a good way. Ford is extremely confident that the aluminum body will give it competitive advantages. But will truck buyers accept an aluminum pickup truck? How much more expensive will it be? What other risks does Ford face? We will discuss those and other questions about the 2015 F-150 on today's show. First, we'll have an interview with Pete Reyes, the chief engineer of the F-150, who will highlight some of the key changes. Then we will talk with Richard Truitt, a reporter for trade publication Automotive News, who has done extensive research on the new F-150 and written several stories on the challenges Ford faces. But before we fire up the 2015 F-150, here is this week's auto news you might be able to use. Bigger might be better, but automakers are finding that good things come in smaller packages, too. At the Chicago Auto Show today, Chevrolet introduced the City Express, a compact cargo van based on the Nissan NV200. The City Express, which will go on sale this fall, uses a Nissan 2-liter four-cylinder engine. It has 123 cubic feet of cargo volume and an estimated payload of up to 1,500 pounds. It is 186 inches long. That's three feet shorter than the full-size Chevy Express van and five feet shorter than the king-size version of the Express. It will have seats for a driver and front passenger, and with the passenger seat folded, the length of the cargo area will be nearly 10 feet. Like the Nissan NV200 on which it is based, the City Express will compete primarily with the Ford Transit Connect, which has been on sale in the U.S. since the 2010 model year and has been redesigned for 2014. The Transit Connect has more cargo space than the City Express, 131 cubic feet, and can carry a heavier payload, 1,700 pounds. Chevrolet will announce prices and fuel economy ratings for the City Express closer to the fall on sale date. Cars that can talk to each other are coming. The U.S. Department of Transportation announced Monday that it wants all vehicles in the future to have onboard communication systems that will allow cars to talk to each other on the road and potentially, potentially reduce collisions injuries, and deaths by significant amounts. Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox said he expects to propose such a requirement by January 2017. Government safety mandates typically give manufacturers at least an 18-month lead time before they have to start putting them in vehicles. And they often are phased in over years, so it could be several years before this technology is widespread in the U.S. In Europe, automakers have agreed to voluntarily begin offering this feature starting in 2015, though not on all vehicles. With vehicle-to-vehicle communication, cars would communicate wirelessly and alert drivers when other vehicles are stopping, about to cut in front of them, whether it is safe to pass another vehicle on a two-lane road, and in other instances that could lead to collisions. 
In addition to giving visual and audible alerts, the systems could apply the brakes to avoid collisions. Accident avoidance systems that alert the driver or apply the brakes are available on many cars today, but these systems rely on radar to detect other vehicles or pedestrians. They do not communicate with other vehicles on the road. Not only are cars that talk to each other coming, so are autonomous cars that drive themselves. Several automakers are working on self-driving technology, and some, such as Nissan, say it will be ready to offer them by 2020. But are most Americans ready for cars that can drive themselves? Not according to a Harris poll. Harris surveyed more than 2,000 adults, and 88% said they would be worried about riding in a driverless car. Only 12% they wouldn't be worried, said they wouldn't be worried. 79% said they would worry that safety equipment on a driverless car could fail, such as the software that automatically applies the brakes. 59% worry about liability issues, such as who is responsible if a driverless car is involved in an accident. 52% fear that hackers could get into the operating system and gain control of their vehicle. And 37% are afraid that automakers, insurance companies, and the government could collect personal data, such as where a vehicle goes and how fast it's going. If this survey is any indication, autonomous cars will be a tough sell to many American drivers. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. The Ford F-Series pickup has been the best-selling vehicle in the U.S. for more than three decades and Ford's most profitable model. So when Ford redesigns the F-150, which is the most popular version in the F-Series line, and gives it an aluminum body instead of steel, there is a lot riding on that roll of the dice. First, aluminum costs more than steel. Second, no pickup has ever been made mainly of uh, aluminum, raising questions about manufacturing issues and whether buyers will think it's robust enough. But Ford says aluminum will shave up to 700 pounds off the weight of the F-150. That will increase fuel economy and allow Ford to increase how much weight the truck can carry and how much it can tow without using bigger engines. Ford hasn't released fuel economy estimates, payloads, or towing ratings, or the prices for the new F-150, which goes on sale at the end of this year. So we don't know how much benefit there will be from the switch to an aluminum body from the traditional steel. I spoke with Pete Reyes, the chief engineer for the F-150, at the Detroit Auto Show, and here is what he had to say about major changes to the 2015 model. I'm talking with Pete Reyes, the chief engineer for the new Ford F-150, the 2015 version of the F-150 that goes on sale late this year. Pete, what are some of the highlights of the major changes made to the new Ford pickup? Well, uh, in a nutshell, it is all new from bottom to top, and maybe the most exciting thing about it being all new is the use of high-strength steels and high-strength aluminum alloys, which take 700 pounds out of the vehicle. You've got a full-size pickup truck uh, with the efficiencies of a truck that are much smaller. What does that weight saving allow you to do with the new truck? Well, first and foremost, it allowed us to make it tougher. Um, using the high-strength alloys, particularly aluminum panels in the body shop, uh, it's more dent and ding resistant than the outgoing truck. We were able to upgauge and basically have thicker um, metal in key areas. And so the overall body, front, and rear are tougher. The frame is also stronger and stiffer. And that's the first thing you get when you go to the high-strength alloys. Now, when you take the weight reduction that comes along with it, um, you're able to offer better handling, better fuel economy, uh, better towing, more payload, and uh, really uh, responsive acceleration 
acceleration and braking. Now, you have not released any numbers on fuel economy, towing, or payload, have you? No. Uh, we launched this vehicle in the fourth quarter of 14, and we're still going through those uh, certification tests. Uh, but I suffice to say it'll be our most capable, most fuel-efficient F-Series lineup ever. Now, uh, do you have some uh, new uh, exclusive in the pickup truck class features that you can talk about? We've got 11 class exclusive features. I'll hit a couple of them. Uh, first, there's a 400-watt power inverter. Most are 150-watt. So you can charge and operate, charge batteries and operate bigger tools than ever before. Um, when it comes to uh, what truckers asked us about uh, the visibility around their truck, we now have... Uh, LED lighting in the front, but we also have LED spotlights that cast a great light on either side of the truck and a bright LED light in the tailgate for lighting up your trailer at night. We've got cameras, uh, four corners on the truck, that give you a 360-degree view, bird's-eye view, of everything around your truck live. Um, so that's, that's uh, yeah, which is just a terrific convenience. The front camera itself can be uh, selected for a viewing mode that gives you a 180 degree uh, front view uh, of what's in front of the vehicle clearly well before you as a driver uh, ever get that field of vision. Um, there's better features for trailer towing. Uh, our smart trailer tow module, uh, basically every time you hook up the trailer to the truck, you can now see on a display screen if all of the lights are working. The brake lights, the running lights, the state of charge of the battery. And it's tied into our uh, alarm system. If somebody wants to steal your trailer in the middle of the night, just simply unconnecting it will signal all of the alarms in the vehicle. So it's fully integrated. These are the kinds of features we put in the truck because this is the kind of uh, feature the truck uh, the truck owners asked us to go after. Now, what is the engine lineup going to be for the 2015 F-150? Uh, we're going to have a four-powertrain lineup, um, starting with the 3.5-liter naturally aspirated V6, a uh, little bit downsized from today's offering of the 3.7, but its performance and its acceleration is actually better, enabled by the 700 pounds. Uh, at the high end, we've got our 5-liter V8, and at the top end, our 3.5-liter GTDI uh, EcoBoost engine. Uh, exciting for us is the introduction of a new second EcoBoost engine, the 2.7-liter, right there in the sweet spot, uh, designed for the towing and the payload of a typical truck customer with um, fantastic fuel economy. So it's a nice, logical progression from the starting engine all the way up to our top-line EcoBoost. And uh, when should uh, consumers expect to see the 2015 truck in showrooms? These will be in showrooms at the end of uh, this year, and we are excited to get them uh, get them out. Okay, thank you. That was Pete Reyes, the chief engineer for the 2015 Ford F-150. Thank you. That was uh, Pete Reyes, the chief engineer for the F-150 pickup, interviewed at the Detroit Auto Show. We have to pause for a short break, but stay tuned. When we come back, we will be talking with Richard Truitt, a reporter for trade publication Automotive News, about the new Ford F-150. Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Here's Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We are discussing the redesigned 2015 Ford F1 pickup today that goes on sale later this year with an aluminum body and other significant changes that will set it apart from the rest of the pickup truck herd. In addition to the aluminum body, here are some other changes that Ford is making. The frame will still be steel, but it will be high-strength steel, a lighter, stronger form of steel. And Ford says the frame is stiffer and that the body panels, the aluminum body panels, are more dent and ding-resistant, including the cargo bed. Most body panels also are thicker, according to Ford. And uh, they have not released full dimensions, but they say the wheelbases are the same, 
but the trucks are about two-thirds of an inch wider, and the interior will have more shoulder and hip, hip room. And just to put uh, the F-Series in perspective to the rest of the industry, Ford sold 763,000 F-Series trucks last year. That's both the F-150 light duty and the super duty F-250 and F-350. That's more than 2,000 per day and one every 41 seconds. I did the math. It works out. Every 41 seconds, a cash register rings at Ford headquarters. Joining me now from Detroit is Richard Truitt, a reporter for Automotive News, a trade publication that provides in-depth coverage of all aspects of the auto industry. Richard and other reporters at Automotive News have covered the introduction of the new F-150 with more depth and breadth than anyone else, so it is a pleasure to have him with us today. Welcome to the show, Richard. Thanks, Rick. It's good to be here. Thanks for joining us. Richard, I, you know, I just threw out some numbers, but how important is the F-150 to Ford's financial results and its image? It can't be overstressed and overstated how important it is. Of course, Ford doesn't break out what their profit is on the F-150, but many analysts seem to agree that they make roughly $10,000 per truck. Whew. You know, they might make they might make 10 or 12 on some of the F-250s and up, and, you know, maybe a little less on some of the lesser-equipped F-150s, but on average figure 10,000 per truck. So when you do the math, it's the crown jewels for Ford and there's no other way to say it. So there is really a lot on the line here. Yeah, there sure is. I mean, if it turns out that consumers are not uh, impressed or don't want or are worried about aluminum, Ford could have a problem on its hands. Well, uh, on that subject, what do you think? What do you have you have you heard anything from um uh truck owners? You know, we to be honest with you, just a little bit about what you hear on on the on the forums on the internet and and just the general buzz. I don't really think it's going to be too big of a, a problem for Ford. I think that um, whenever they there's a new F one fifty launch, there's the, the truck has got such a built in um, group of fans that if they made it at a paper mache, people would come and look at it. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to be. A hard sell because there are people who buy one F-150 after another. Okay, I I did communicate with somebody I met through a forum just by emails. Mike from Cleveland, who has owned several F-150s, now has a 2013 four-wheel drive super cab, and is interested in buying a 2015 model. And I asked him about the aluminum. He says his only real concern is how much more it'll cost. He's not worried about the durability. Interesting. Well, well, the cost is, you know, that is the, sort of the $64,000 question because here's what we know about aluminum and steel. On a raw metal basis, I think aluminum is about 30% more expensive than raw steel. However, when you treat them and, and refine them and get them ready for stamping into metal, the, the difference is not quite that great because you have to rust-proof steel, for instance, and you have to coat aluminum with with certain substances to help the, the, the bonding process when they make it. So on that basis, the cost may not be that much, but here's where where it could be a factor for some people. There have been aluminum cars on the road since 1993 when Audi introduced one of its cars mm-hmm. um, with an aluminum body, and then others have slowly jumped in, Jaguar and Mercedes, Porsche, and most recently Range Rover with uh, Range Rover and Range Rover Sport. Those vehicles tend to be more expensive to repair when there's an accident. The difference is, with a steel-bodied vehicle, the, the metal can oftentimes be bent and straightened. Bent metal, rather, can be straightened and mm-hmm. fixed. Can't do that so much with aluminum. And the repair procedure is very different and quite a bit more detailed, and it, it will be more expensive because dealers have to buy a lot of tools and retrain their body shop technicians. Which uh, I think Ford has said they've addressed that through their dealers, and they're trying to bring the independent or, or non-Ford repair body shops uh, uh, online as well. Are they, they gonna, have that. Are, are they going to be ready? Well, yeah, I think so. I think there's a, there, you know, from what we can tell, there's a, there's a big effort to, to, first of all, make sure that Ford dealers with body shops have access to the right equipment and the right training to be able to, to get in there and fix those trucks properly. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like Ford is just going to 
um, introduce the truck and say, you're on your own, folks. They have designed that truck for repairability and make sure that dealers have access to the proper tools and training. So um, it's a completely thought-out um, strategy that Ford's got. If uh, if it costs more to repair uh, aluminum, should owners expect to pay higher insurance? Well, that's another question that we're going to have to wait and see on. Um, I, this week, I, for a story in Automotive News, I spoke to a couple body shop owners who, who um, work on some of the higher-end European aluminum vehicles. And what they told me was a little bit startling. First of all, you know, with a normal car, when you get into a fender bender, the parts that go on to re- repair it may not be factory parts. They could be aftermarket parts that come from Taiwan or China right, or something right. like that. Well, when you have an aluminum vehicle, that, that option on, for less expensive repair is not on the table. The only source for parts is the automaker. No one else is, is making aluminum repair parts at this point in time. That might change with the F-150 because it's such a high-volume vehicle, but there's, there's that affecting it. Now, so initially, at least, uh, your one and only choice is going to be Ford parts. Yes, and the, I, I heard from one of the dealers, uh, one of the body shop guys in New York that just to replace the hood on a Range Rover is twenty two hundred bucks, and that doesn't even—that's only buying the hood. That's not even painting it. So it's—it's it's not cheap. But mm-hmm. to Ford's credit, they have designed the truck so that you can take bent or damaged pieces off the truck and simply replace them with another one that fits exactly in the same place. So you don't spend hours and hours trying to straighten out metal. Mm-hmm. So it, it may be a wash, but you know the thing is, Rick, we're just really not going to know until. These trucks get out there, and people start putting them into use and start banging them around, and we'll see what happens. Right. But I, I did, I did learn one other interesting thing from the body shop guys, and that is, a lot of it is going to depend on the insurance company that that the driver has. Some insurance companies will follow the manufacturer's recommendations and do the repairs as the the manufacturer recommends. Other companies pressure the body shops to cut costs instead of replacing a piece of bent aluminum, they may, may want it straightened out. Hmm. And then they would do that to try to, to reduce the repair cost. So that puts the the driver of the vehicle in a, in a bit of a tough place because the repair may not be fully covered by the insurance company. Well, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, aluminum initially uh, can add costs about 30% more than steel. Have you seen any estimates as to any industry analysts or any competitors have said, well, you know, we think it's, you know, the aluminum body is going to add X amount of dollars to the manufacturing cost of the F-150? There's been some speculation out there, but, but what, the, what, what we think is going to happen is that the price will go up slightly, maybe mm-hmm. 1000 2000 bucks, but the margin that Ford is willing to accept on the truck will go down in order to keep the price basically level. So instead of making 10000 maybe they only make 8000 on each truck and hold the price in check, at least for a little while. When you say the price will go up 1000 or so, you mean on the sticker? Yes, on the sticker. But how does how does that uh, get reduced for the consumer? Or? No, it doesn't. It's the consumer is going to pay a little more, okay. probably. Okay, all right. But would, char- would Ford be charging the full amount to, uh, of that? No. They'd be willing to perhaps accept less profit in order to make sure that the truck is priced competitively. Okay, so they will, may not necessarily pass on their entire cost. Mm, no, I think that's what the prevailing thinking is. But again, we're not going to really know until the pricing comes out. So uh, if I'm a pickup buyer and uh, I look at the price and it's, you know, let's say it is a 1000 or $2,000 higher than the current model and maybe, you know, higher than the Silverado or the, the Ram pickup, what's in it for me as an owner? What do well, I get? It's com- it's a pretty compelling situation here because depending on the body style or the cabs the, the, the cab configuration or the bed length the truck will be between about 550 and 700 pounds less than the old truck in terms of weight so mm-hmm. when you take out that much weight the truck is going to perform a heck of a lot better because you're not hauling around all that metal right. so it'll 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 accelerate better it'll stop quicker it'll corner better but more importantly it'll get better fuel economy we don't know how much better, but it should do pretty well. The top F-150 now is 23 miles per gallon. And uh, today, uh, Ram came out with the um, fuel economy for the diesel that they have, and it's 28 miles per gallon. So Ford 
is not officially saying this, but but they've been um, sort of uh, indicating that they're shooting for about 30 miles per gallon. In a full-size pickup. Yeah, and that would be yeah. like a moonshot if they could get it. Well, now, the uh, on the current model, the base curb weights are roughly... Oh, they range between 4,700 pounds to 5,500, 5,600 pounds. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, uh, we're talking, what, 10 to maybe 14% weight reduction. And, you know, on the TV show, The Biggest Loser, they may not, that may not be much. But in the auto industry, 10% is a pretty significant weight reduction, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. I, I can tell you that engineers sweat over every ounce in a vehicle. Hmm. To get a pound is, is a huge victory. To get <laughs> 700, that's, that's off the charts great. Wow. Uh, so they are, they are uh, shooting for the moon on this one. And, and like I said, the um, uh, highest fuel economy with the 3.7 liter V6 currently is 17 city, 23 highway. So... Um, they're, if they get close to 30, that would be a huge leap. It sure would. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a fleet operator and you're going to um, see that kind of improvement, even if the truck costs more, you would definitely see a payback in a pretty short period of time just based on all the fuel that you wouldn't buy. Ah, obviously a selling point Ford is going to use. Yep. Okay. We, we have to pause for a break here, but uh, when we come back, We'll continue our discussion of the Ford F-150 with Richard Truitt of Automotive News. Stay with us. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about the redesigned Ford F-150 pickup, which will have a weight-saving aluminum body, a first for a pickup truck. My guest is Richard Truitt, a reporter for Automotive News, a trade publication based in Detroit that provides in-depth coverage of all aspects of the auto industry. Richard, we were just talking about uh, some of the benefits that, that Ford is touting on uh, the weight reduction of the new truck, such as fuel economy and uh, they have not uh, released any payload numbers, but they're also saying that because they're taking weight out of the truck, you'll be able to put more into the cargo bed, be able to carry more weight. Does that add up? Yes, it does, because when you take the weight out, I think you can, as Ford likes to say, that you can increase the capability of the truck, the towing, the hauling. And I, I think that's right because um, the, the powertrain is going to spend less of its energy moving the truck down the road when it doesn't doesn't weigh quite as much. In other words, they've taken weight out of the rear axle, they've taken weight out of the frame, they've taken weight out of the, the rear leaf springs. It, it isn't all just coming out of the body and the frame. Mm-hmm. It's a complete redesign. And so, when when you take the weight out, you don't have to have such heavy duty parts as you did before. Ah. So it's 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 kind of like uh, a holistic approach. I think so. Yeah. As they, as they uh, that's what Ford's saying anyway. Well, it, uh, we'll be curious to see when the truck comes out and and people actually put it on a scale to see how much they really actually got. <laughs> people will do that, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> Ford uh, said that early on in their planning for the new truck, they they concluded that for them to make significant improvements to the efficiency they would need to switch to an aluminum body and the high-strength steel frame, which are, I think, both are very expensive propositions. What could they have done instead of that? Well, as I mentioned earlier, if you take a look at what Ram did with their truck, they kept the steel body, but they put a fuel-efficient diesel engine in it, an eight-speed transmission, and a few other um, a few other things to help out the fuel economy. Um, they were just given an EPA certification of 20 in the city, Mm-hmm. 28 on the highway and 23 combined. So that sets the bar pretty high, and they didn't have to tear up their whole entire manufacturing uh, infrastructure to build the truck. They basically just had to put a different engine in it. That's one way of getting high fuel economy without um, so much work. Okay. Uh, I, somebody asked a question uh, at the Detroit show, and, and Raj Nair, the head of product development for Ford, said, well, there's a cost penalty for a uh, diesel engine, 
And then for the owner, there's a cost penalty on the price of diesel fuel. And so that's why they they didn't dismiss it. But um, Dodge or Ram has seemed to have made it work. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how how car companies, when they do their research and their economics, what drives their decisions. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I was talking to Bob Lee, who's Chrysler's um, powertrain chief, and I, I mentioned, I said, you know, Ford says their customers wouldn't want to buy it. How come yours would? And, you know, he says we have different customers with different needs. So they it may well be that that's the case. I'm sorry, they wouldn't want to buy what? Wouldn't want to buy a, a truck with a diesel. Oh, oh, the Ford said yeah. that, yeah. 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 Huh. But, you know, when you think of it this way, they... I, I tend to take a, a, a big, the, the longer view of, of what Ford's doing here. Think of it this way. A truck the size of the F-150 has to get 30.2 miles per gallon to meet the fuel economy standards that are uh, coming in 2025, the, the CAFE standards. If Ford can get close with the aluminum truck, if they put a diesel engine in it, and we already know they're going to get a 10-speed automatic, they will clearly exceed the 30.2 and wipe that completely off their list of things to do. Hmm. So I wouldn't look at the aluminum truck as just the, as the end game. Look at it as probably a three-step process of getting really good fuel economy. First step, aluminum body. Next step, 10-speed transmission, which comes in about two years from now. And then maybe somewhere down the road, you put a diesel engine behind that 10, in front right. of that 10-speed, and then you've got something. I see. So when, when Ford says now that a diesel wasn't uh, wasn't the answer. It could be the answer down the road. It could be. I'm sure if you would asked Ford 10 years ago what they thought of turbochargers, they would have said that's not the answer either, and now look at them. <laughs> that's right. They're big. On, you know, uh, speaking of turbochargers, they, they have a, a new engine lineup. They're going to drop the 6.2-liter V8 uh, from mm-hmm. the F-150, and they're adding a 2.7-liter turbocharged V6, EcoBoost V6. 2.7 liters in a full-size truck. That sounds wimpy almost, you know? It does, but if one thing Ford has done in recent years is they have been able to squeeze incredible amounts of power out of small engines. Mm-hmm. And um, They haven't released any horsepower torque figures for that 2.7, but you got to give Ford props for one thing. They really know their F-150 customers, and they would not give them an engine that wasn't man enough for the job. So hmm. if, if I'm sure the 2.7 will um, suit some customers' needs, maybe not all. Some people are still going to want the V8, but in terms of performance and fuel economy, it's probably going to be a pretty good package. What uh, One of the things that Ford did say about that is that uh, some of their owners say, look, I don't need 10,000-pound towing capacity or more, and that 2.7-liter V6 will give them, I think they said, 8,000 pound towing and which for some people apparently is is about right you know there's been kind of a, a, a race not only for to improve fuel economy but also to, to for for ram and and gm and the others to, to beat each other over the head with with all these incredible towing capacities um <laughs> i was speaking with uh one of the gm truck guys and, and he said from their research, that the average person tows around three thousand pounds you know the <laughs> snow the, the snow the uh, boats to the lake and the and the snowmobiles and all that. It's around three thousand pounds. Now, sure, there's some business owners that do more, but right. does anybody really need eleven thousand pounds towing capacity in a light not duty to, in a light duty pickup? Yeah, yeah. not yeah. the casual driver. No. Okay. Uh, well, maybe maybe they're right sizing thing here. Uh, you know, in in comparison to uh, what Ford is doing with the F one fifty. GM clearly made what I would say are evolutionary changes to the uh, uh, Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra, which were redesigned for 2014. And, uh, in fact, the Silverado was named the North American Truck of the Year. But uh, what are your thoughts on how these different approaches will play out in the market uh, place? GM played it safe. Ford is taking bigger risks or chances. You know, the, the kind of buzz around Detroit is it's really a two-truck race now between F-150 and Ram, and GM is sort of looking at everybody's taillights with the Silverado and Sierra. Really? Like they were very conservative, very conservatively redesigned, and they didn't really take any chances with the technology, although they have new engines and there's displacement on demand. But did they go far enough? It's looking like maybe they didn't. Hmm. However, don't forget that they're queuing up the 
the mid-sized trucks, the Colorado and the Canyon, and if you've seen those trucks, they're not mid-sized. They're basically what was full-size 15 or 20 years ago. Now, that may be their salvation because those trucks will have turbocharged engines, a diesel engine, and even a big four-cylinder that could turn in pretty good fuel economy. So this is, uh, the, when they say uh, mid-size, it's actually somewhere uh, north of mid-size with these new Canyon and Colorado? It is, Rick. You know what I did is I went back and I looked at the specs for the old Chevrolet GMC CK trucks from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and many of the dimensions of the Canyon and Colorado overlap with those formerly full-size trucks from, from you know, back in the back in the day. So they're not small trucks, and it could very well be that um, these trucks help GM compete with um, the, the, the F-150 and the Ram, you know, in terms of having something that will deliver mm-hmm. pretty good fuel economy and still give you enough room to, uh, you know, get the job done. Have um, any competitors commented to you on or off the record about the uh, the new F-150 and, and what Ford's doing? Yeah, they sure have. After the press days were over for the Detroit show, they have an afternoon where they let competitors in and suppliers in, and and they came and they looked at the F-150, and I stood by and I listened to them, and the the prevailing um, emotion, I guess you would say, is a lot of respect for what Ford did, because Mm. everybody, I had a guy from Toyota tell me, you know what, the industry is sort of going that way anyway, we've we've tiptoed in that direction because the hood on the Tundra is aluminum and all that. But Ford gets credit for pulling the trigger first. So there's a little bit of, of sort of grudging respect for Ford because they stepped up and, and, you know, did the hard work of figuring out how do you make so many aluminum body vehicles, you know, 700,000 and change a year. No one's done that before. And so Ford apparently figured out how to, how to do it in high volume. And to lose 700 pounds is no small feat at all. Right. Now, um are, you, you've kind of alluded to this or mentioned is that uh, in the manufacturing end, uh, there's some there's some significant differences between building an aluminum vehicle and one made of steel. What are oh, some of the differences? Oh, well, I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners can envision what goes on in today's auto plants where you have a steel body going down the line and all these robots are, you know, are doing spot welds and spots right. are flying. Yes. You know, that's sort of like the image we think of, of auto auto plants, but... When the F-150 body goes down the line, there won't be any of that because the, the stamped aluminum parts will be held together with industrial strength adhesive glue and special kinds of rivets and some types of screws and bolts. Hmm. So there is one part of the F-150, I believe it's the tailgate, that has some welding on it, but aluminum can't be welded easily because it warps. So the manufacturing is very, very different, but it's completely up to automotive standards, obviously. Because if you look at the Corvette frame, it's aluminum, and the current Range Rover um, is an aluminum. As a matter of fact, it's the largest aluminum body structure, and it's much stiffer than the one it replaced. Hmm. And uh, so, the two—I think there are two factories that build the F-150. One in Dearborn, one in Louisville. Can't, it's Kansas City. Kansas City. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's two, two plants that will build it. They have to pretty much retool them then. Well, the one in Dearborn is going to be offline for 11 weeks this summer while they tear out all the old manufacturing equipment, put in the new equipment, and train the workers how to how to build the, the new truck. Mm-hmm. And I think the other plant is going to be offline for uh, another few weeks while they do the same thing there. Hmm. So that, uh, that puts a dent in uh, F-150 production. Well, if knowing Ford, they'll probably follow what GM did and just build a ton of of the 2014 wow. model so that dealers won't have to go without because, that's, as you mentioned earlier, that is their their cash cow and mm-hmm. they can't really, you know, turn customers away, especially when the competition is pretty good. You know, the GM trucks may be a little conservative styling, but technically they're pretty excellent, and Ram is uh, really doing well. They had a big sales increase in January, even though the weather was bad in most parts of the country, so people are seeking out that Ram truck. Right. Um they uh, they managed to make a truck look really tough, but ride really well on that yeah. Ram. Um, yep. Now, uh, of the seven hundred and sixty three thousand F series trucks, is it right that about two thirds to three fourths of those would be F one fifties? 
That's the num- that's the number we heard. We we looked at the production numbers for the two plants, and it was just over five hundred thousand that they made in twenty thirteen. Okay. So yeah, that's about that. Has Ford said whether the Super Duty models, the F two fifty, F three fifty, will eventually become aluminum as well? They have not said that. So that's hmm. one of the things that we're we'd like to find out. Because those are the real beasts of burden that you know tow up to twenty thousand pounds or something ridiculous like that. Right. They do, but the, the need to increase the fuel economy on those is not quite as great because trucks that are over 8,500 pounds are not EPA rated, and so they don't count against Ford in the, the CAFE standards when they calculate it. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's not it's uh, not as crucial on the fuel economy. No. Okay. All right, well, we, um, we have to pause for one more break here, and when we come back, I'd just like to talk about some of the I think are some of the neat new features they're offering on uh, on the F-150 besides an aluminum body. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Richard Truitt of Automotive News. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. My guest is Richard Truitt of Automotive News, and we've been discussing the redesigned 2015 Ford F-150, which goes on sale at the end of this year as the first pickup with an aluminum body. Uh, Richard, um, you used to work for Ford Motor Company. I did. And... um, uh, Ford, in the past, was involved with our own Jaguar and was involved in designing the aluminum body Jaguar sedans, correct? That is correct. And um, here's one thing I learned while we were doing our reporting on the F-150. Um, the exact manufacturing system that Ford developed for Jaguar and is now in use at Range Rover and Land Rover will be used for the F-150. Aha. Uh-huh. In a couple of weeks, I'll be going to that plant in England to take a look at it for myself. So in one, in one respect, they're not having to reinvent a manufacturing system, but they are going to have to do something that no other car company has done before, and that is do it in super high volume. Because mm. as you mentioned, the cash register rings every 41 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody builds aluminum vehicles that quickly. Wow. There have been... They've been super high-end luxury niche vehicles up until this point. Audi A8, Jaguar, yep. XJ sedans. Uh, yeah. Yep. Wow. This is so there's uh, the challenge. Yes, it is. And but if they succeed, as you mentioned earlier, they'll have a uh, step up on everyone else. Well, you know, it depends on on the the strategy that each car company wants to use to get to that higher fuel economy. You know, it, it, some we know that. Nissan, for instance, is going to use a Cummins V6 in their truck, mm-hmm. and diesel. I've already got Cummins one. Cummins diesel, right? The yeah. Cummins diesel. Yeah. Yep, it's a three-liter Cummins diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know that anyone's going to follow Ford just yet, but you know, the F-150 being what it is, the analysts are saying that now everybody is going to evaluate what it would take to do that and weigh that against the risks. Now, um, among the other new features that uh, will be on the uh, new F-150. They're using LED headlights and taillights, and the, the headlights use a single LED bulb rather than a, um, you know, several small ones arrayed. I thought that was a rather clever use of um, LEDs. And a uh, has a power-release tailgate that even, you know, when you lower it, it just doesn't bang, you know, collapse. It uh, lowers slowly. Mm-hmm. They put a light, uh, lights at the rear of the cargo bed not just at the um, back of the cab. There's a light for the trailer hitch. Uh, so in the dark when you're hitching your boat back up, you can see what you're doing. LED spotlights in the mirrors uh, to illuminate a work site. And uh, pretty neat stuff. There's 360-degree cameras that uh, uh, lane keep assist. You start drifting over another lane. I think that's a first for a pickup truck. And a uh, 400-watt, 110-volt inverter to charge tools. Most onboard inverters, I think, are about 150 watts. Any other things that you saw or heard about that struck you as uh, innovative? Well, I think 
I think that about covered it. But one thing I did notice from sitting in the truck uh, at the auto show, it's easy to get in and out of. A lot of room there, and visibility is really good. And they paid a lot of attention to the interior. Mm-hmm. So I think they've really stepped up the game everywhere. It wasn't just a, a, an aluminum body and that's it. I think all those thoughtful features that you mentioned are have the, the, the goal of making the truck really desirable. Mm-hmm. In other words, there may be some people who would want it for the aluminum body, but then those features that you mentioned are going to make the truck just way more useful and user-friendly. And I think that's part of the marketing strategy is to just fill it up with so many nice things like that that maybe the aluminum is not the focus. Hmm. Uh, the Super Cab now has rear doors that open 90 degrees, which I think is pretty common. But because this Ford says owners use the rear doors more often to load cargo than people, the 2015 model will have rear doors that open 170 degrees. I mean, that's a pretty neat uh, addition. Think how many boxes of Krispy Kremes you could put back there. (laughs) There must be some connection, you think, Rick? Now, wait a minute. If you're talking about losing weight on a truck, can you uh, (laughs) gain weight with Krispy Kremes? (laughs) But... um, Aside from, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, uh, aside from the aluminum, they've made a lot of uh, thoughtful changes to the truck. Now, the one thing that that I think uh, I'm really, well, I'm really curious about, and you probably are too, is how the thing drives. Any thoughts as to what this truck is going to be like? I mean, how, we're we're guessing here, but when you lighten a truck by that much, what's the difference going to feel like? I think it'll. First of all, I think that it'll, this is strictly conjecture on my part, I don't know, mm-hmm. but knowing what I do about how trucks have been refined lately, I think you're going to see probably the quietest and smoothest F-150 you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I think that you will find one that is extremely responsive when you step on the, the accelerator. In other words, it will really jump off the line. Now, I, now, I now that. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh Engineers like to say that cutting weight is the same thing as adding power to the engine, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then also, I think you'll see brakes that really have a lot of bite to them. Because that's another benefit of not having all that weight is your everything just works better. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll handle better. It'll stop better. It'll accelerate better. So, you know, taking out weight is, is just, it's a, it's a great thing to do because it just helps every aspect of the, of the vehicle. Um, one of the things that uh, I think it was um, uh, Doug Scott, the uh, I think he's the marketing manager for Ford Trucks, is said that they have done with the F-Series is what he called a continuous aggressive cadence, meaning that they have significant product changes just about every year. And, you know, which implies that if they continue that, that the what they're showing us now are telling us now about the uh, the new F-150 isn't the end, that they have more in store. Like you mentioned, maybe in the future, maybe a diesel. I, well, here's one thing we do know, that they, you know, they, late last year they signed in a, an agreement with uh, General Motors to develop uh, 9- and 10-speed transmissions. The 9-speeds go in cars, the 10-speeds go in trucks. So you know that uh, by 2015 it'll get a, it'll go from a 6-speed to a 10-speed. So that'll probably, probably be the, the first big technical change that's coming up. And then, you know, the, the one thing about Ford is it is the one vehicle that they they don't cut corners on. I mean, they they do whatever they have to do to protect that and to keep it the number one selling vehicle. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if there were many changes coming up in terms of, of maybe not so much styling, but perhaps sporty models and um, more luxurious models and just new features that we haven't seen before on trucks. Right. I, I, you know, I don't think uh, uh, most consumers um, have um, demanded a 9- or 10-speed transmission. I know why they're doing it. It's for fuel economy, right? But, oh, uh, yeah. But what do you for think? Sure. What do you think? I mean, w- do people uh, uh, need 9 or 10 gears? Well, just because you have 9 or 10 doesn't mean you'd use them all. What uh. if you had a 10-speed and you only use 7 unless you were towing something, and then maybe when you had a heavy trailer... On the back, you've got a different first gear. So you could have all those gears, but the way it's programmed means you, you might not use them all the time. Hmm. Or you could shift, say, from third to fifth, depending on where the accelerator is. There's lots of things that 
they can do with all those speeds that would help the vehicle get better fuel economy. Believe me, they don't want to put stuff in there if there's no return somewhere. And so if they're doing 10 speeds, it's because they get better fuel economy and use that as a selling point. Uh, so uh, you you mentioned uh, Toyota once or twice during this discussion, and, and uh, Toyota redesigned the Tundra for 2014 very quietly. <laughs> they, didn't yeah. make, they, they didn't make a lot of noise, and they didn't do much with it. Is Is Toyota still serious about being in the full-size pickup market? You get the impression they're just kind of showing up, and, you know, they, they're they not really devoting the manpower, money power, and attention that the other automakers are to trucks. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't seem like they're really super serious about competing. But, you know, Toyota being Toyota, they are probably watching very carefully, and once they get some sort of idea if the F-150 will be successful, they could very well do something like that by themselves. You know, you you can't forget Toyota is the the Prius company, and they sort of led the way in, you know, with hybrids, and um, this is a pretty big gamble, and they may want to, may just want to wait and see before they go spending all that money to see if there's really a market for an aluminum truck. Okay, and and uh, Ford has had uh, some really good new models uh, come out, you know, like the Ford Escape, the Fusion, but they've also had trouble getting them launched in the marketplace smoothly, meaning they've had, you know, some uh, uh, mechanical and electronic issues and several recalls. What do you think gonna, they're going to do with the F-150 to try to prevent that? What can they do? Well, I know that, you know, one of my colleagues here at the Automotive News, Brad Wernley, has um, reported extensively on that, and they have devoted a lot of attention, a lot of manpower, and a lot of um, planning to make sure that the F-150 launches with the high quality that people expect of it. Yeah. it, it but, but what you say is absolutely true. They have had trouble launching some new vehicles that weren't even nearly as complex as this. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a test of, of, of their production system. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, if, if things go wrong, we'll see whose head rolls. <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard Trout of Automotive News uh, has been with us, and thank you very much, Richard, for spending the time to talk to us about the new F-150. Appreciate your insights on this. Thanks, Rick. I enjoyed it. All right. You take care. Talk to you soon. All righty. Bye. Thanks. That was Richard Truitt of Automotive News from Detroit talking about the 2015 Ford F-150. And that is about all the time we have for this week's episode of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. Next week, we will have coverage from the Chicago Auto Show. We expect to talk with the marketing manager for Chevrolet about the direction that brand is taking, have more information about the Kia Soul electric vehicle, a forecast on the future of the automated or self-driving car, and other news from the Chicago Auto Show. That's next week on Cars, Trucks, and Bucks here on Talk Zone Radio. Until then, please visit my website, carstrucksandbucks.com. And thanks again to today's guests, Pete Reyes, the chief engineer of the Ford F-150, and Richard Truitt of Automotive News. And thanks to you for listening. This is Rick Popley saying, be careful out there. So long, everyone.